My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from the Lost and Dramslation Park Whiskey Society podcast. And I'm here with... Hey, it's Sean. Sean. Sean's in a better mood today. Good mood today. Yeah, although he tore his abdominal. Yeah, it's still a little tender, but it's starting to slowly heal. Whiskey. Whiskey fixes everything. So today today we have... Uh, well, I, I always say this. I always say an awesome guest, but today's an actual like beauty of a guest he's a guy that we have become close friends with in the whiskey world and someone we talk to on a regular occasion when it comes to not even his products but to all products he's single-handedly i think wearing out the airwaves with all the virtual tastings and <laughs> and everything he's doing he's easily the iron man of all brand ambassadors when it comes to to the virtual stuff going on but hey he's he this guy is full of passion and just loves whiskey in general and it just so happens that he's most passionate about the about the brands that he represents which which all brand ambassadors are but we love and respect this guy more than pretty much anyone around i would say yeah totally yeah so today we have mike brisebois from distel how's it going buddy good gents thanks for having me i know it's been a long time coming and yeah juggling around schedules but uh, happy to finally be on the show yeah, Mike was supposed to be one of our first guests, but he kept blowing us off. <laughs> yeah. As he shakes his head. As he shakes his head, he's like, yeah, you guys, that's okay. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be any fun if we didn't uh, <laughs> little we didn't shit on you a little bit, yeah, right? A little oh, that's okay. You know, Bust the life balls. of kids, right? You never know oh, what can happen sure. with kids. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we, we both live those exact same lives, and especially in, in a COVID world where you're navigating schools open and not open. And it's, yeah, it, it's just an interesting life for a parent right now. That's for sure. Absolutely. So how, uh, so how, how are things going? Are you, you're, like I said, you're crazy, crazy active. You're always, I feel like you're always doing something. It's like every night. I don't even know how you have the time for it. I know you have a full-time job outside of doing this, but you do it, you always do it with a smile on your face. You do it with the same excitement every time. That's what impressed me most about you, Mike, is that you like you don't you don't ever skip a beat. You don't ever have a down tasting, even though you if you're talking about the same product over and over with a lot, even sometimes it's a lot of the same enthusiasts over and over again. But everybody's always just happy to hear you. So like where where does this passion come from? Tell us, tell us your story, Mike. Honestly, it, it, it probably began when I first had my real first taste of scotch. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they taste it the first time and it's like, oh, I like it or I don't like it. And then you want to dive into all kinds of expressions. I took my journey a bit more to the books and I wanted to read more and learn more about all things history. And then I think that's really my passion came from there. It was like, this is really cool. This is really interesting stuff. And then I kind of dove in to, you know, buy more whiskey, buy more whiskey books. And then, uh, you know, founding a whiskey club here in Ottawa, which led me to try, you know, my first Bonnehaven and made me fall in love. It was like, wow, this is exactly what I look for in a whiskey. So then, yeah, it kind of started from just all things whiskey, trying my first, my first scotch, diving in history, and then finding one that really piqued my interest above all others. Well, and that's one of the, like, the, when when me and you came together kind of talking it was 
obviously the love of whiskey is what what brought us kind of together as friends and, and started the friendship. But it was also it was unique because I was able to talk to you not only about the your brands, but also kind of get you have some experience in running a club as well. Mm-hmm. So how like how many years were you running the club before you kind of got into just being the brand ambassador? So it would have been four years running the club. And you know, seeing and meeting so many other like clubs across the country, you see how much effort has to go into it to keep it running. And you know, the club I was kind of not like the the main kind of leader of it, but it was kind of like I kind of drew the the members to come in and, and learn more and, and acquire some bottles for everyone to taste. And I would leave the tastings. Yeah. Uh, so then when I became a brand ambassador, the club kind of went quiet. It was, uh, it was sad to see because uh, my passion was kind of fueling the club. And then I kind of took all my passion from that and dove it right into the brand ambassador world where I can talk just about, you know, three distilleries as a whole. But yeah, it's uh, the amount of work at clubs. You can you see so many pop up and shut down. Uh, yeah. So many new ones with crazy new ideas, and it's strong and then die down. So it's it's really tough to keep it going as a whole. <laughs> yeah, it it is a tremendous amount of work, and there'd be no like there'd be no there'd be no way that I could be like anybody could actually do a brand ambassador's job and run a club. Like there's just not enough time for it. Like it's it takes up it takes up all my spare time at least that's what my wife tells me and <laughs> and it's but but and then and then i keep adding stuff to it like podcasts and and all this other thing and the photography thing was was obviously something that took off and it's just like i, I don't even know how i find time for it anymore i have to take time off work to do it basically right <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah it's a ton of work so the club the club's not living today it's still going quietly. So okay. I'm trying to help them out with some virtual tastings to get yeah. them back up on the map because it's a great group and they love whiskey. So I've been trying to help them. Like I have a decent tasting this Thursday oh, with nice. them. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we're talking virtual tastings. Like some of my excitement comes from the virtual tasting and, and dropping some crazy bottles saying, Hey, taste this. Uh, like the one we did with the Bun of 46. Like that was just. Oh, that was in it was intense i remember when you first reached out and said hey i want to do this epic tasting and like we all throw epic around for every tasting we want to do because we want it to be the best tasting but you were like hey, i'm looking at the bana 46 and i was like what the one, that, <laughs> like, the one that's yeah, been on the I'm shelf i'm looking at prices of 11, like 10 11 12 000 <laughs> and it's like can you yeah and I immediately well i was like uh yeah this is a definitely a tasting i want to be involved with and it was, it was definitely an honor and something cool to be a part of but we since then you've had the the lechic 42 and you've Deanson the dean well the deanson 40 is coming up yeah um i'm just uh, waiting for the tobermory yeah tobermory has <laughs> got to be next <laughs> well we did a 36 year canasta from bunna that was the first one yeah yeah that's right oh, that was so good but yeah i have a tobermory 42 one coming up so uh Take my money. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also thinking of another one where I think it's pretty cool. Uh is old Bana versus new Bana. So previous um uh bottle design Bana 12 versus new mm. 18, 18, 25, 25, 40, and 40. That will be a really, really cool tasting. Like yeah, I, I've got one. I've got an old and a new 12. And mm-hmm. they're both sitting unopened because I'm just waiting because I, I don't want to do it by myself and 
Yeah, but like, for sure. if I can, you know, get five people together this summer, maybe when it warms up and we can get a fire and just go side by side. But yeah, to do all of them together in a tasting, that'll be really yeah, we cool. Just, just to see how the spirits kind of evolved over time. Yeah. And no, that, that'd be, that'd be really cool. So we, we're here, well, we're here to talk about the brands, but we also wanted to obviously get more into you. And you mentioned your first pour. Well, what was your very first pour? You said that your was it Bonnet 12 that was actually your very first pour? Wait, it's no way because it's never something like that. That would have been a fairly obscure whiskey back then, I would think. What, yeah. what was your what what got you into whiskey? What was your first pour of whiskey? The well, first bottle that ever gifted me was uh, Glenlivet 12 year. Um, and okay, okay. I literally looked at the bottle for a long time. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of intimidated by it. And I was like, <laughs> how do I even drink this? This is going to be smoky, peaty. You know, I'm 22 years old. I was like, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. And that's when I was like, buy Glen Cairn, buy a whiskey book, understand it, pour it, let it breathe, and then had a taste. I was like, you know what? Ain't bad at all. So then that kind of got me to jump into everything. So yeah, we all jump into like that collector mode, right? Uh, you find one distillery, then you start buying more of it, and then. I, then you realize you have over 500 bottles in your collection. You're like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's I never asked that. My wife asked me that. What are you doing? Why? Why do, why do you have 40 bottles of Irish whiskey all open? Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, if your first uh, whiskey that you tried was Glenlivet, um, did you stick with Speyside or was there another region that you kind of went to or did you just try them all at once? Or even like, were you... Did you dabble bourbon or any other genres yeah. or, or anything like that? So it was mostly Speyside. I, I concentrated more on Speyside distilleries. And it was honestly, it was mostly the ones that were readily available. Like when you look at Glenlivet, you look at Glenfiddich, you look at McCallum, you look at Balvenny, like all right there. So it's it was really easy to acquire. So that's kind of what I started on. And then I started dabbling into bourbon later on. Uh, and uh and then, yeah, I, I, I kind of fell in love with all kind of whiskey as a whole in every region. Uh, but scotch is probably the one that got me. And of course, I had my experiences when I was younger and, and being foolish yeah. and uh, coming back to actually enjoy it and understand it. Um, but yeah, it was mostly space. I then dove into pretty much everything afterwards. And that's what led me to be a judge for the Kenny Whiskey Awards a few years after. What um like what was your what was your go to like your daily go to before you before you tried Bun at Twelve for the first time? Do you remember? You know what? It's probably a mix between Glenlivet Fifteen and maybe a Balvenie Twelve Doublewood. Okay. So you in any tasting that you do, especially the Buna tastings, you say that the Buna Twelve is your go to. Obviously. And I mean, how can it not for the price you can get it for and the quality of it? And now I've taken your lead and, you know, in any Facebook group I'm in, I always say when somebody's like, I want to get a scotch or, you know, I want to try something and I don't want to spend a ton of money. I said, get Buna 12. Like you can't go wrong with that. And I still have yet to hear somebody say that they don't like it. I've heard people say that they like other ones. Other Buna is better, but is there a whiskey that provides you with more though for the price like there really isn't right you know especially like what we get it for in alberta here like yeah you pull it for 60 dollars here which is just 
insanity, right? Yeah. Like BC, my dad like runs a, a BC government liquor store and it's $92 plus tax. So all in it's over a hundred bucks. And that's cheap in BC. Yeah. Right? Like people, it's, yeah. people still buy it. Which, we're, we're spoiled here. Yeah, we are spoiled. <laughs> but obviously like um, you say that that's what drew you in to want to happen. And then uh, did you kind of know that Distel was a company and did you kind of stick with their brands or did you just kind of start drinking all the Buna you could get your hands on? And then obviously we know the story of how you became the ambassador, but we'll let you tell that as well. So pretty much like, it's like when I had my club, I was good at getting bottles shipped to me saying, you know, I get a good group together. We have, we have an Instagram page. Then it wasn't that big. Uh, and we're like reviewing and take a picture and let you know our thoughts. Uh, so I got a bottle of Buna 12 and a bottle of Lechic 10 sent to me uh, as part of the club. And it was, again, my turn to present. So I'm looking at the bottle. I was like, you know, I have no idea what this is. If there's a sailor on it, can't pronounce the name. It's probably heavily peated because it's from Isla. And I'm like, I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> so I popped the cork, poured a dram, and I was nose, And I was like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting at all. So maybe it's because I was expecting peat and I nose it. And I was like, whoa, this is like an abundant, nice aromas on the on the nose and then i tasted it i was like wow explosion of flavors and i was like getting vanilla notes getting those deep fruit notes you get a little bit of toffee and just like a little bit of that brininess from the scene so that was my first taste then i did the tasting and then i reached out to uh burn stewart distillers who was the owner of uh on Haven at that time that's right and pm in canada i was like you know what i need to know more about this distillery the website nothing on it like there's no information uh, Dr. Kirsten McCullum was our global brand ambassador at the time. And they're like, well, she comes to Canada sometimes, maybe once every two years. And I told them, and this is after maybe two drams. I had drammed the one time, the second time I called them, like, people need to know about this distillery. And they're, they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, no, everybody in Canada needs to know this distillery. And they're like, yeah, you're right. And so, okay, well, hire me and then let me travel the country and, you know, talk about this amazing distillery. And I said, okay. So I've only tasted it twice at this point. And they said, let's take a chance on it. Let's take a chance. But, but when we sh- you need a disclaimer in, with the fact that you were basically working for whiskey at the start kind of thing, right? It was this, you were basically just donating your time because you love the product so much and you wanted to help them. Obviously knowing that eventually it would turn into something a little more, a little more serious and, and, Hoping, yeah, and, and hoping and uh, praying that it would at least. Yeah, so yeah, it started off like honestly, it was contract. You know, even my buddy Bry did a few bun of tastings in Toronto uh, before he was brand ambassador for Big. Throw that one in there. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you know it, it started getting a little more serious. They're like, hey, so you get a budget now for a month, and then can you do these tastings? And I got a, a, a small rate. I'll be honest, it was more contract based. Yeah. And then they called me up and said, uh, hey, can you fly out to Edmonton? Uh, we need you to be the exclusive core of electric holy two year, uh, at this whiskey show. I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that was my first brand ambassador trip was flying to Edmonton for the Rocky mountain wine and food show. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That one's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And then you are the only one allowed to pour the 42 year. So people are lined up and they're paying 125 bucks, I think, for a quarter ounce. They send you like the Stanley cup white gloves to like <laughs> hold it with. No white gloves. You should have, I look like I was not really professional here. I have this made up suit jacket and I'm like, (laughs) 
the, and <laughs> most of you guys know I hate wearing a suit jacket. Oh yeah, so. you're a t-shirt kind of guy. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm assuming it was like a sport coat that was probably too big on your shoulders, yeah. and right, like that's <laughs> yeah. stereotypical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it would have been the perfect scene if I had my shoulder pads on too. Used car salesman kind of yeah. look, right? The leather patches yeah. on the elbows. <laughs> but yeah. it kind of started from there. And, you know, like they, they wanted me to be called like a regional multi-master. And then I kind of just blew it up. Like on Instagram, I just called myself the brand ambassador. And I was able to start getting more exposure to whiskey clubs across the country. Um, you know, I still remember my first tasting. That was a, a blow up because it was... You know, you, you can talk a lot when you're with friends and family about a passion they have. But here I am, my first tasting, I got 80 people in front of me. They're all, uh, you know, seasoned whiskey enthusiasts. And I come up, I have my notes and I'm like, put it on the podium. <laughs> and I'm, uh, there's the mic and I'm looking out and I'm like, oh man, this isn't going to start well. And then, yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> I was stuttering. I was, and, you know, I was in my hometown too. So I'm from Cornwall, Ontario. So they, Welcome me there. Like, you know, someone from Cornwall is now a whiskey brand ambassador and they're here to present. And here's my first time presenting. Oh God, just like, oh. sweating. I'm sure. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was rough. That was, the, but I kept going. It was like, you know, I'm here, might as well get it over with and do it. And then I kept going. And a few years after I went back to that same club and I thanked them because you always have to start somewhere. You have to start your first tasting. You got to screw it up and learn from it. And mm-hmm. ever since then, you'll never see me with notes. I'll never, go to another tasting with a little notepad or anything to refer to. I just talk with what you know, uh, yeah. and with the knowledge that you've gained. That's one thing I've learned too, is yeah, just stick, stick with what you know, try not to talk too much to things you don't, because that, that's how you can come off kind of on a not authentic. And it's just, just, just roll with it. Right. People want to, in the end, people want to have fun. That's all they want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, same thing for us. We go back and listen to the first couple episodes that we've, or even when it can podcast, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like now, I mean, we've only been doing this for a few months, but already like even comments, you know, you guys sound like, like you know what you're doing now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I well, know. We kind of do, even, we kind of don't. Even my f- our first like club tastings, the the feedback from the very first one was we should get a mic because I can't hear you kind of thing. Like stuff like that because I was just too I was almost shy in the sense that I didn't and they were they were people I knew. They were a lot of them were were friends and friends of friends and now now the moment one of them speaks over me, yeah. I'm like that old school school teacher with a with a leather belt ready to slap him with it. But, um, so like you obviously that first tasting was was that probably the toughest crowd you've ever presented to, or have you walked like has there been any other tastings that you've walked away from, just thinking that well, I don't know intimidated or anything like that? Like you, you've presented to some pretty significant crowds in your day. Yeah, it's been fun. Like, you know, sometimes the smaller crowds are tougher than the bigger crowds. Like, I, you know, some shows, there's 200 people that I present to, and I find those are the easier ones. I had a group of about 20, and I was pouring 146 when we first released it here in Canada. Yeah. And this one gentleman kept talking over me. It was just having this little side click and talking. We always have someone in taste. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. I got about and, 30 of them in my room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here I go. I grab a seat and I sit beside him. And he's like, uh, what's going on? He said, well, no, you're, you're, you can present now. I, I think you know more than me. So I want you to stand up and tell everyone about Deanston and Bunna and Tony. Nice. And uh, he didn't say another word the rest of the tasting. I, so, <laughs> I, bet. I bet he didn't. And that's, yeah. well, there's, there's a few like that. Like I never had a tasting where I, I felt I, le- I left like abruptly through during the tasting. 
sometimes after a tasting, I feel like I could have done more. Sometimes it's like, oh, I forgot to mention this. I should have talked about this or I should have spent more time on this particular part of the distillery. So I reflect on that sometimes for my next tasting. But I think the most important thing is reading your crowd. Know yeah. what they want to hear. And most of the times before tasting, I'll kind of walk the room and talk to a few people and say, and like see what their experience is, what they're maybe looking for in this tasting. Like if they want more history, they want some cool facts or they just want to dive into whiskey. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's what it's all about. Cause it, like, it's hard to, you can't touch on everything, but there's simply not enough time into tasting to touch on it all. And so yeah, you would walk away. I'm sure every tasting wishing that you could, but you just can't. Um, what's, what's been like the funnest tasting you've had to date? Um, I'm going to say probably when we launched Tomori 12 in Banff. Uh, yeah, that one was cool. Uh, yeah. I think that was the funnest. At the Banff, was, Banff Springs hotel on the yeah. patio there. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, my brand manager's like, invite anyone you want. I'm like, perfect. Cause everyone that I want to be there is going to the Banff whiskey experience. So it's, uh, able to launch a new expression, but also gather with a good group of friends and, and many that known each other for years as well either through instagram with the community itself and mm -hmm. uh and the view with breathtaking so you couldn't take that away <laughs> the one i wish no. that i was at was the one in victoria last year oh yeah we heard yeah we heard <laughs> oh, <that> secret one <laughs> that, yeah the secret the secret one that we're, nobody's allowed to yeah no no pictures no don't talk about it that <laughs> one yeah that was probably my most epic tasting. Like I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Like the last year, like virtual tasting, they've been some epic lineups. But this one, I was able to plan on my own, and it was like me at the lobby. There's a bus out back, and you're going to a secret destination. You have no idea what whiskey you're drinking. Oh, and I was only allowed to have 20 people. I ended up having 26. I was like, no, you can come too. You can come too. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, do I have enough glasses? Do I have enough whiskey? Um, and then it was like. As soon as we got on the bus, I'm like, when this bus parks, you turn your phones off or put them on silent, keep in your pocket because this is not about social media. It's not about yeah. getting that cool pick, even though the view where we were is just outstanding. Uh, it was more about the experience and, and enjoying the drams in great company. Well, and you can't tell Eric and the from Barrel the Ball guys put away the camera. I'm pretty sure they're just like hinged to their bodies, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're there in the back and like, yeah. Cameras down, no phones, no nothing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've, I've talked to the the um, like Jay Seymour and Kevin and those guys out there, and they all, yeah, they all talked about how such an amazing time that was and how cool it was. Yeah, yeah. I know we talked. We talked about the next Banff. Obviously, the last couple have been canceled, but Mike Mike's dreams to drop in on a helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you could pull that off, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had plans for a, a helicopter tasting, but it got shot down. So you never know. Maybe, maybe in a few years. How, get yeah. How much more, for lack of better term, epic can it actually get? Right. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a way. And as long as we get to be there, then we're okay. One of us will just have to get a helicopter pilot license. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a close friend who has one. So. <laughs> oh, nice. It's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Have you um Have you had a whiskey? Like who, who's kind of been, if you had a mentor, even just amongst maybe the ambassadors here in Canada or a mentor, I guess, I guess from anyone, someone that you've kind of leaned on kind of just like me as running a club, there's, there's a, obviously a bunch of people I've leaned on to kind of just get my, get my bearings and my feet kind of landed. But who, who's someone that you've leaned on over the years? So it kind of falls back to my first 
whiskey I ever tasted or first Scott who's going level 12. And it goes to that brand ambassador, Frank Biscopec, who was the Canadian brand ambassador for Glenlivet. Uh, my buddy was actually golfing and Frank was at the golf course pouring some Glenlivet. And he's like, hey, my buddy actually is a big Scotch fan. And uh, we got his business card for me. I invited him over to my place. And then Frank's presence as a brand ambassador is like so warm and welcoming. Uh, and the stories he tells and the passion he shows for Glenlivet was something that I saw that I wanted to be for a brand. I didn't taste Bonnet 12 yet. It was more like, I want to be like you if I'm ever a brand ambassador. And kind, welcoming, giving, and wants great experiences as well. So uh, I leaned on Frank a lot in my beginning years as a brand ambassador, like looking for, you know, just bouncing ideas off him and, and trying to, you know, see like where he sees me and some of my ideas, if they make sense or not. And the one thing he was is, he goes, Mike, I'm older, so I can make some rash decisions. And if I make a mistake, I can take the slap on the hand. So I kind of live that mentality a bit too. I'm like, I'm going to take some risks and try to do some cool things in the community. <laughs> and if I get in trouble, I get slapped on the hand. But in the end, it's I want to gather the community and offer some great experiences and memories. I think we can all go to a massive amount of tastings. But if we can still think of a tasting that we we were together at, and there's something that you can bring back and say, hey, this was amazing because of this uh, and have that memory and that experience. I think that's what Frank kind of brought to me to be the brand ambassador I am today. Yeah, like you said, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission for certain things. Yeah, I tend to use that model in life in general and it doesn't <laughs> always work, but for the most part it does. And and for you, it's in the end, it's all about experience. And that's really all you're trying to do. So if it's if you go to big and get a slap in the wrist well at least you at least you're getting slapped in the wrist for trying to do too much not not enough yeah so yeah i think i i want to gather as many people as possible like bamf and after the the event at the hotel is like, okay let's just go back to my hotel and have some drams and i just realized there's 24 people in my hotel room and yeah, we're all around the room <laughs> And here we are. I'm like, well, I have these four bottles I was saving for everybody. So let's just crack these open. So it, uh, it worked out. And that's an experience that I, I, I can still think I'm there right now because it was so much fun. Yeah. Little did we know six months later, we wouldn't even be able to have not even one person in a hotel room with you. <laughs> like, yeah. like that was almost, it was almost perfect because you had, you had the Banff. Um, and then you had Calgary and then, Vic and then Victoria, but you had three yeah. really, really, I don't know. They were just big events in your career because you get to re you get to reach a lot. Like there's a lot of pull from, from the West out here for you. You get a lot of big fans out here. And I know there was a lot of appreciation being thrown around after you were able to visit. So, well, and if anything, those three events within the last like six months before COVID it led into being able to do virtual tastings with COVID. Like as soon as, you know, we realized it was not going to be a couple weeks thing that, you know, Mike, Mike was one of the first ones that jumped on and just said, okay, well, let's, let's embrace this. it. Right. Yeah. Let's just yeah. make it work. And clearly he has, but yeah, like the Calgary one, that was my first ever whiskey festival. And here I am the night before the festival in <laughs> some guy's hotel room drinking crazy unreleased whiskeys. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, yeah. And I mean, like it wasn't a complete stranger. Mike and I had talked lots, but yeah. Yeah, no, it was, that's the kind of stuff, like, I'll never forget that. Just like, we tried to do it at a little pub and. Yeah, the kind of, they're timeless moments for yeah, sure. Yeah, and then it's just like, we piled into two vehicles, drove around like two blocks away and 
<laughs> we all went in to the elevator and okay, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. Um, so let's get into let's get into distill a little bit. All right. Yeah. I'll ask the first question. And kind of leads with the shirt that you're wearing. Um, black bottle. Now it's I'm a huge fan of black bottle. I will sing its praises as loud as I can. You have told me before that there is a number of distilleries that go into it, grain and malt. Uh, mm-hmm. Where is it actually blended and bottled? Can you go into so it's that? It's in our bottling hall in East Kilbride. So everything is done there. Uh, so the majority of it is it's we combined, you know, I think it's still 24 single malts and three grain whiskeys. And then we marry them in virginal casks for six months. And the one answer I don't have and I will get is I don't know if they're actually in the cast at the bottling hall or they bring them back to Deanston uh, to mature for the last six to nine months. Um, but yeah, it's it, mostly everything's done in our bottling hall. Like I was there. I can see the blends actually being done. Uh, I saw the chill filtration process being done for our blends. Uh, it's quite sad to see those natural oils just dripping off those foam filters. And it's like, can I just put my hand? Can I just lick there? that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, black bottle, like it's here. Like I think uh, the last one I bought was thirty six bucks, thirty seven bucks. Again, it's like one. Yeah, it's the one of the best ba- value blends you can buy on the yeah, shelf. Yeah, like sure. I don't yeah. know if Mike saw. Like we did a tasting on Saturday, and it was a budget blind. So the most, it was 10 bottles. The most expensive, I think was 41 bucks. And the cheapest was like 19 bucks. And there were some absolute weirdos that nobody had ever heard of. Yeah. But out of that, the black bottle came, I think second, finished second place out of everything. And it was like, I, afterwards when we were just talking, I was like, see, (laughs) like everybody will, they'll see the price and they'll kind of like cast it aside. And like, it is seriously one of the best for the money bottles that you can buy and it's so versatile you can use it in cocktails which you've done oh it makes a smoke an old-fashioned like it's such a good old-fashioned i mean for me i use it in iron brew and it is like amazing and but yeah i mean you you can drink it neat just as much and it still tastes do you do you want me to pour you some (laughs) i think you start starting to drool a little bit (laughs) yeah what about so let's um does Boonhaven still remain your favorite of all of all the distilleries you've. I'm I'm assuming so because assuming it so does. because that's yeah. that's where your roots kind of started, right? I, I look at one of twelve honestly, and I, I have a good amount of bottles from the three distilleries, but one of twelve is still my go-to. It's it still brings me back to that first time I tasted. You know, Deanson is coming along on my palate a lot more as well too. Like Deanson twelve, I just like the creaminess. Of on the palate, uh, and you know, Lechik as well. To morning, like they're all there, but Bunna 12 is still my go to. Um, but just jumping back on Black Bottle, um, you know, we got some new stuff that's coming out of Black Bottle, and I'm hoping we can get some in Canada. It's just I'm not getting enough in Canada. Like, we all love Black Bottle, but it's it's one of those whiskeys that if I don't bring more into Canada, we can't get these limited editions. But uh, we have the 10 year that was in the UK, and there's two new Black Bottles coming out. And it's all about kind of like showcasing like history of black ball as a whole, but being innovative as well. So look out soon enough. uh, It's going to be UK exclusive first. Uh, There's two new black bottles coming out and it's going to be relatively inexpensive, like 30 pounds a bottle. Like, and 
yeah, it's it's gonna fit all our portfolios. <laughs> well, I've how seen- many actual whiskeys are in Black Bottle? Uh, so right now, uh, I know there was a possible change, but uh, just before it was twenty four single malts and three grains in the Black Bottle original. Okay. Um, Black Bottle ten, I believe it's all of the Isla distilleries and a little bit of Lechik. Um and then the two new ones, one's going to be a little more on the heavier peated side and one with a little more of a sherry bomb side. Oh, cool. I've also seen uh, a few scattered pictures of the 15. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh yeah, that's right. I haven't haven't got my hands on that yet. You're posting it on when you're doing your black bottle week. Yeah. Oh, he's going behind him to grab it out. In the cabinet. So is, is this a recent? This is early nineties. Yeah, I was gonna say that has to be an old release just based on the bottle. But yeah, that's the oldest expression ever released from the black bottle, which was a fifteen. Uh the ten was normal. Like we always had the ten. And then we just re-released it last year as a limited release just to bring it back. Yeah. And then uh I have on my way a nineteen thirty-two black bottle from the original recipe. Gee, so really? That- <laughs> yeah, that'll be in a future tasting when we can gather together. Oh god, yeah, that'll be a cool tasting. <laughs> so that ten year that I got a bottle of the UK exclusive, that's the older blend that would have been in the uh, green glass bottles, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's the more heavier Isla featured blend. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all the oh, Isla okay. distillery. I don't know if it's more like heavily peat, but it's. You get more of the peat smoke in those. Uh, again, it's mostly younger expressions, but it's it still hits the, uh, you know, what we look for in whiskey when we look at a blend and, and those characters of, you know, profile from Myla. Yeah, and those, like, I just found, I think it was October-ish, I found a case sitting on a store in a small town. Of the old like, green bottle. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yoink. <laughs> He's like, oh, don't worry. I'll bring more of those in. I was like, if you can get this exact bottle in, I will buy yeah, them every yeah. single time. I doubt it's there, yeah. but try. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me the last time. I was, the first trip I was in Edmonton, I was at the Edmonton Mall, and there's a liquor store there. Yep. And I walk in, and they had two green black bottles. And I'm like, hey, these, these how much are these? Oh, they're uh, thirty four ninety nine. I'm like, oh, I'm the brand ambassador. Oh, we'll knock fifteen percent off too. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will take all of them. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the first one I ever found of the green ones was leaving Calgary when we had the festival there and we did the in your room. Josh and I were driving back and we hit up a couple stores on the way back in Airdrie, and they literally said that they had been sitting there since the store opened, and that was like, I don't know early late 90s maybe yeah something like that and yeah we found some crazy old bottles like i found a glenn Goyne that was the signature on it the guy left the distillery in 1998 so wow. it was yeah. pre-1998 <laughs> yeah well that's that's back when it wasn't the scotch wasn't as popular so they like the distribution was spread now it's you got a handful of liquor stores, whiskey centric li- yeah. liquor stores that are wanting all the product for sure. And, mm-hmm. and that's like, I'm sure you're, I'm sure it's hard to kind of battle with trying to make everyone happy. And I know it's, that's a massive, massive challenge for you. And it's how, like, how is that? I'm sure you get messages all the time. <laughs> people mad that they couldn't get anything. Yeah. Like for me, like when I look over the last five years, you know, Bana, Deanston, Tomori weren't really known. And even in the stores across the country. And when I started doing my first trips to Alberta, I'd be stopping the stores and I'd be like, hey, if you want Deanston, if you want Bana, 
here's my contact information, reach out to me. And now that Bana has become more of a larger name in, in the industry, especially in Canada, as well as Deanston, uh, those same contacts are reaching out to me saying, you know, hey, you know, I, I heard there's Pinot Noir of Deanston coming. I hear there's this new Bana man's name coming to market. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let me see if I can help you out. <laughs> and the one thing for me is, and, and as a brand ambassador, I care about the consumer. I'm a huge fan of the consumer, a huge fan of those that enjoy the whiskey that I get to talk about every day. And I want to put it in your hands. So if you tell me, hey, I buy from this store in Edmonton, I want to try to get it to the location that you buy and source your whiskey from. But sometimes that's where my hands are tied as a, as a group, you know, and ensuring that I'm trying even more to see if I can even allocate some cases to myself and say, okay, I'll, I'm willing to take one of my cases and give it to this store and there, but um, that's a work in progress. It's it's a big agency, and you know they have contacts and yeah. uh, with many of the the locations. There's a lot of corporate there. relationships involved in in where they're where they're placing the product for sure. Yeah, but one advantage of Alberta is you can ship in right from the distillery. Um, that so, is true. You and, can order right from online, and we've got we've got friends that do it all the time. We do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I almost want to like work with Distel. This is not anything I'm working on yet, but uh, I'd love to even put it say that you know from your global release, put something online so that you know a group in Alberta can just buy it and ship it there, and then you it's for the personal consumption. And I think it'd be a great kind of. That would Aspen. be awesome because you could you could do like just straight from the distillery they could do an Alberta allocation almost for people mm-hmm. to just order and at, most people don't realize how actually simple it is to mm-hmm. to order to Alberta you can order as much as one bottle if you want and obviously you pay a little bit more shipping but ordering six bottles cuts that price down right away when it comes to shipping costs and you can I think you can order up to like ninety liters of of whiskey or alcohol in if for every three months or something like that, or maybe it's 45 liters in three yeah, months. Yeah. I don't know, but it's a I ridiculous it's amount. Yeah. 45, yeah, 45 90 days. Or I know that because the whiskey Joe tends to hit that limit. Every single time. <laughs> it's a limit. Yeah. This is a, this is a guy that buys for personal consumption that picked up a pallet <laughs> <laughs> from the AJLC one day. Cause he had so many bottles there. Like, that is next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's trying to see like different avenues where we, the consumer can easily, and that's where the advantage is in Alberta. Of course, yeah. still getting some for, you know, the great stores that keep, you know, Bunna 12 and Jeans Virgin Oak in stock continuously and then have that extra option for Alberta whiskey enthusiasts to get a break from their story. Well, and the, and the other thing you, you combat is like it. When it comes to LCBO and the fact that they've been getting some of the releases that we we haven't in Alberta or more of some of those mm-hmm. special releases, they, like people need to understand the LCBO has crazy, crazy buying power. And that that just plays into that equation so much because they they go straight to Buna and the, the money exchanges hands instead of the consignment model. Mm-hmm. Like it's just there's more challenges than just you pressing the button on. OK, here, have more product. Right. Yeah, I think. I think the times have changed a bit when it comes to liquor boards. I think the liquor boards are starting to listen to consumers and saying, what are you wanting to buy? Uh, instead of just looking at kind of like a global aspect of saying what's selling the most in other markets. Um, I know SIQ in Quebec has changed the model to listen to consumers. I think LCBO is going to do the same. I think that's going to help a lot more in the future when it comes to supply and demand as a whole. Yeah. And I've even heard rumblings that other provinces are are even investigating 
the like the next steps on how they would privatize their their systems a little bit more and there, there's obviously a lot of a lot of logistics and the infrastructure needs to be put in place before they can do that so it's a long time coming but it's a it's a good sign i actually i don't even really i don't really look forward to it because i know that if the whole country privatizes like alberta then alberta is not going to get anything because we're not the most populated areas <laughs> And I don't think I don't think people realize that that the stock will not ever come to Alberta if, <laughs> if Toronto and Vancouver are privatized. But yeah. oh well, we'll get there eventually. So, um, with the Distel products, uh, you you kind of mentioned that the with the like the rise in popularity of Deanston being kind of the second go to in the portfolio behind Buna uh, is like is Tobermory kind of slowly touching where decent i just feel like decent is the popularity decent has really taken off in the last couple of years mm-hmm. um and mainly just because of their they have a really really solid core range yeah so like what what yeah. makes maybe like what makes decent so likable what like what what's something unique that just or the reason why people are just falling in love with it i think when you like taste beans and virgin oak for the first time and if you're either new to scotch whiskey or you're a bourbon fan and you know it's decent you're like Okay, I I can knows what exactly they're telling me I'm supposed to be smelling when I when I when I have this whiskey on the in hand. So it's more welcoming, it's more easy to understand. And then when you go to like the 12 year, it just enhances a bit more. So same kind of flavor profile and characteristics, but it's it's easy to understand the whole aspect of the whiskey itself. What I love about Dean's then it's you know that honey note that is in every single expression. Um, and that's tends to always continue in any uh, of the uh, core range. Like our core range is virgin oak, 12, 15 year organic, and 18 year. They're in every single one of those when it comes to that honey aspect. And I think it's the word, you know, word of mouth. Uh, you, we don't have any big advertisements on anywhere when it comes to all of our distilleries. And I think most people that try it and they like it, they tell people. And I think the price point of these virgin oak is a steal uh, below $50 a bottle. And you know, understanding it, tasting it, and drinking it as close as you are to when our master blender is, you know, tasting out of the cast, but just watered down to 46.2%. So you're getting, you know, I think great value. You know, so you mentioned the 46.3%. Now, all the core ranges from all the brands are now bottled at 463 Do you, Can you, like, what's the reason for that exact number, 463 Like, we love it because it's above the 46 mark, which is usually... Mm-hmm chill filtration level but um like the point three we get asked all the time <laughs> why yeah so back in 2008 uh deanson that's when deanson started being unshipped filter natural color and 2010 bunna and tulmoy switched to that as well and it was a previous master blender and master distiller that fought pretty hard to stop chill filtration in the three distilleries and the reason was he was trying to prove that our whiskey tasted better without chill filtration. It wasn't trying really, not really the cut costs or anything. It was more like we feel or she felt at that time that this tastes better and they, they proved it. And when you chill filter a whiskey uh, or your whiskey is unchill filtered, if it's 46% or lower, it will go cloudy in the bottle at room temperature. So what they thought is at the 0.3, just come level of comfort uh, so that it's over the 46%. So if it's on your cabinet behind you, 
it should not go cloudy under room temperature. But again, that's a natural chemical reaction. And us whiskey geeks mm-hmm. want to see that now. Oh, yeah. We're interested in, in as close as it is coming to cask. We want those natural esters and those, you know, those aromas that evolve in the cask over those years and understand them and those oily characters to stay in the glass. Yeah, completely. Um, well, we have a bottle in front of us. So. Yeah, let's crack. We've been saving this one to crack. Specifically with you. Specifically with you. It's been sitting on my shelf. I actually had to hide it behind other bottles so that I didn't actually (laughs) open it because I tend to open everything even though I can't drink them fast enough. But let's so the one that we're gonna open is the so it's the two thousand two, it's a seventeen year old and it's seventeen year old, and it's the well, Pinot Noir finish, which we all know that it's not actually Pinot Noir, so maybe I'll let you get it out of your cabinet there. So talk, talk, talk about this one. Cause this one, this one was interesting to me and it was something I had to get my hands on just cause. I yeah. remember before the release yeah, happened, was... Mike sent me a message. He's <laughs> like, don't be fooled by the name on the bottle. <laughs> don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. <laughs> this isn't Jenny from the block. Yeah. <laughs> but do you want to talk about the name if you can, and, uh, just kind of give us background on it. Yeah. So this one is part of the 2020 limited editions from the Stell. So it's been three years now we've been releasing. Oh, nice pop. That was a good pop. Yeah. Oh, it smells good. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So every, it's our third year now we've been releasing kind of a, a range of limited editions from the three distilleries. And, you know, we were very lucky last year. We got a good amount of them of, uh, that were released. And this year we only got two coming to Canada. And one was the Banahava Manzanilla and the Deanston Pinot Noir. So at 17 year, it was uh, matured originally in like bourbon cast and then finished in these, uh, you know, wall slash bourbon cast. And he said uh, that really quietly. What? <laughs> <laughs> slash, slash. Did, did you guys pick that up? Slash, <laughs> slash. Can we say it? We can say it, right? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. So it's champagne, just in case you didn't catch it. <laughs> so we, uh, we had a Bonahaven 30 year finished in champagne cast. Uh, last was last year and then those same casts are the ones here in our 2002 so you're getting those vibrant kind of fruit fresh notes on this one uh all of 50 percent uh and then again unchill mm. filter natural color and the thing i love about deanston we're innovative we have fun we take risks and we like doing things differently and you know a lot of distilleries did in the past before like look 10 years ago a few distilleries just to try to finish in any t- type of cast they can get and some were good and some weren't. And I find at Deanston, we've been pretty lucky uh, with some of the uh, the experiments we've been doing. And this one, I think, is it's, it's like I, I drink this in the summer, uh, mostly, uh, the Pinot Noir, because I find it's more fresh and welcoming. Um, but yeah, it's uh, another gem from, it, from Deanston. It is a gem. I really like it. And uh, like, it's funny because if I didn't know that it, there was a different cask involved, I would probably try this and be like, Pinot Noir. Cause I don't really, I don't pull any Pinot Noir. Like, mm-hmm. so why, why did they choose Pinot Noir to, pe- to so put on the yeah, label? It's all legalities, right? So even when like a sherry cast that we use, we can't, if you want to name the house where the, the, or the where we source these casts, you pay a premium. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, certain types of profiles, you can't name as a finish without paying that premium to say these are actual, this type of cask. 
So why not put like sparkling wine cask or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it'd sell well, but yeah, I know people would be like, "What the heck is Dean sitting up to?" <laughs> it's, it's crazy because like first taste, like the nose on it's really, really good. It's, really, it's fresh, like you said. It, it is really fresh. fresh. It it will be like an awesome summer awesome summer tram it's got a ton of fresh characteristics and like with deanston specifically i just find that they have like a such an adaptable spirit like it's Mm -hmm. just such a naturally fresh versatile versatile and yeah it's such a naturally fresh and like you said those honey characteristics just i'm sure that they they probably just love playing with all kinds of different casts just because of that alone yeah well julianne fernandez who's our master blender uh last time i was speaking to her she's like yeah I just got a new 20 brand new cast in and I'm experimenting with all 20. I'm like, I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. I just, <laughs> I had one moment uh, when Kirsty was a uh, master blender. Uh, I was in Scotland and I'm in the blending room and she goes, I'm going to leave you alone for five minutes. Taste whatever you want. You only have five minutes. I'm like, Oh man, it's like a kid in a candy store. There's like 2000 samples all around. <laughs> me. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> So yeah, that was a fun experience. That's awesome. So before, before we get back into you, um, tell us about some of the other distill products that are going to be coming into our market. Not, not the scotches and the, the single malts from, from the UK, but uh, there is some, there's some other distillers that are going to be coming in soon enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we just got some Baines South African whiskey available in Africa in uh, Alberta. It's in the warehouse now. So that's, um, uh, from the J.S. Sedwick Distillery in Cape Town. So that is one of the other distilleries that Distel owns. So we have Baines, a single grain, and we also have three ships. Um, so we're hoping to get some more into Canada. I know we got a lot of juice available. It's just, you know, getting the word out there. So I am planning eventually another virtual tasting surrounding the South African whiskeys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yet another virtual tasting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did mention I received 30 bottles a few weeks ago. So those are all three ships and Baines and some South African exclusives only. So oh, nice. something to uh, come up. Uh, I'll probably partner with you guys, Heart Whiskey Society, to do something. Because yeah. um, I think it would go well in Alberta. But yeah, Baines is available right now in uh in alberta i think there's uh 20 30 odd cases and kind of like a preliminary kind of order to see how it goes and then see how we can push it more have you seen it sean not yet no did they just come in recently it's been there for a month and a bit i know i think wine and beyond did an exclusive sale on it in the beginning of the year oh okay okay i'll have to go check uh, that out later 2020 i'll have to reach out to i have some available in the warehouse that can order in yeah, I'll have to look because reach be- out to PMA. I, we we got a rep that we're friends with there, so we'll see. She'll she'll be able to track it down for us too. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that wine and beyond it'll be on the shelf with the other world whiskeys. The world whiskeys, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. The last time I was there, they did have some. That was I haven't been to Edmonton for it's got to be two years now. It's my last trip. Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, I think well, Sean and I were just talking about it. it was yeah, 2000. It might have been 2018. Yeah, Could have been, yeah. April, April. It was in the April. Was we did, we were at the the Bothy doing that tasting. Yeah. That's right. I, well, that. I, I know, like right when the week that COVID hit Canada, uh, I was at work and I literally spent one day, all day talking to Mike, trying to plan a tasting here, and it was going to be a big one, like trying to get hundred line up one hundred and fifty people, 
And we was yeah, like we talked a lot about throwing that. out venues and throwing out like costs. <laughs> yeah. And I was even like on Expedia trying to find flights and stuff. And then literally like three days later, it was like, oh, I know. Yeah, all travel. Joe was single handedly going to pay for your flights, your accommodations, <laughs> your everything just because he wanted so badly a big boon of taste. He'll put you up in his gro- in his man cave with all the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, you might get you might lose yourself in there, though. It's it's a pretty yeah. epic place. Yeah. <laughs> the and. The, the one thing I will say the wine and beyond needs to, maybe it's, maybe it's not them, but they like their world area kind of sits behind everything and people walk past it. So if I could, if I could, I don't know, influence anybody, take a look at that wall because there's a ton of good whiskeys on that wall. And if Bain's joining it, then that's obviously a new, another new one to look at. Well, and that's crazy because even three ships, like I had first heard about it from Mike and not even a couple weeks after the first time Mike mentioned it. I'm curious I, about that. I saw an online review uh, on a, a YouTube group and two guys in Texas that reviewed it. And immediately I was like, what? This is what Mike was talking about. And then it was like, yeah. how do I get this? And I was like, uh, might be a while but it'll, it'll get here eventually i was like yeah. okay sweet yeah we'll we'll sit patiently like we usually do yeah. i'm hoping like we do have some in new brunswick that's the one market we did put it in there because andy watts who was our master distiller came to the show uh yeah three years ago and uh, we still okay. have two ships five year we have the 15 year pinotage cast still there and some veins uh now looking at seeing you know bring it more across the country uh this the you know see what what can happen with that one yeah you got to be strategic how you bring these in because there is a lot of there's a lot of whiskey to choose from and mm-hmm. how, how you're going to spread the love and that kind of thing there's a, there's a lot more consideration that goes into just placing it on the shelves we might need to have you on before you do that uh, three ships and banes virtual we'll just kind of mm-hmm. go over everything and put yeah. it out there so people have another avenue to check it out and then fill up all the spots on the virtual tasting which you never have a problem doing anyways but no no they go quick (laughs) yeah yeah it's surprising it used to take a week or two now it's uh, it's almost two days they fill up i know i feel like i don't even hear about them until they're already sold out sometimes because i'm just not paying it it's and it's tough like i will say being with all the virtual tastings that are going on whether they're locally or from a brand ambassador or from a store it's a lot to keep up with and and now i find that well from even from my perspective like the club virtual tastings we're just we're battling the fact that people are first starting to get sick of paying for just samples now right people want to start buying bottles with their money and so it's keeping it interesting is is the most important part and you usually you usually do a really good job doing that so yeah exactly so people love the experience let's uh let's get into mike yeah just because i think Mike spends so much time talking about the brands that he represents and he's felt he's too humble to ever talk about himself. <laughs> we'll, we'll make him talk about it. We're going to make, right yeah, we're going to make him talk about how awesome he is. So we've never done this with a guest yet. We're no, this is something new. Yeah. We, well, we planned it out with you at the beginning, but we wanted to hold it off until. Yeah. So it's, we'll call it a lightning round, but it's not really a lightning round. We'll just, we'll give you, a a sentence and then just kind of or a statement or sentence or question or whatever and it's basically just quick quick answer first thing that comes to your head okay (laughs) do you we'll just go back to back on these you're gonna start it off i'll go first okay yeah so excluding the 12 year your favorite buna ever release uh buna 36 year canasta well that's a yeah (laughs) duh right um (laughs) 
favorite follow on Instagram? Um, I'm gonna say Philip Kingswood right now. PK Kingswood. He, I, I love. Yeah, Phil. Honestly, and, and we've been chatting a lot lately too. Like super genuine, super just wholesome guy, and incredibly, incredibly talented photographer. Yeah, yeah. We've been connected for a while now, and it's uh, yeah, very humble and just wants to learn and wants to soak it yeah. in. And yeah, for sure. No, he, that that's a great, great choice. Yeah. yeah, he's he's definitely turning a lot of heads right now, which which I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. All right, favorite food. Uh, I'm gonna go Vietnamese. Vietnamese. My, wife, my wife's Vietnamese. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. is that <laughs> for a reason? <laughs> uh, favorite cocktail. Old fashioned with black bottle. Of course, yeah. If you could go to a, a single distillery right now, where would you go? And yeah, where would you go? Uh, I I go back to Bunna. Yeah, I have to be in Bunna, and I'd stay in the village home and take in everything that's in the distillery. What's a, what's a pet peeve of yours? Um, I don't know. Honestly, don't have any pet peeves. We were talking okay. about, we were talking about one kind of before that we started recording. Uh, you know <laughs> what? I, I think, uh, yeah, you know what? I can say that. Um, I think for those who review whiskey, just be honest and then understand there's people behind the industry that it hurts a little bit sometimes. When it's uh, when you negative comments, sometimes I think that's probably my pet peeve. Think of the people at the distillery that you know put their blood, sweat, and tears in what they do, and remember that. Yeah, just don't be yeah, don't be ignorant to those things. Is basically what you're saying, right? Con- to consider it all before you just start throwing negativity into the air. And then like and like we've talked to uh, to each other, like you don't have to like every whiskey. But there is a there's a diplomatic and professional professional way to to perform a proper review. Like my my thing, my pet peeve, and I've talked to Sean about this lots is I don't like when I don't like when critics uh, or I don't like when reviewers of whiskey feel like they just need to be critics of whiskey. Mm-hmm. So it's they always want to. Like, like something's not complex enough or it's not this or it's not that because 95% of the drinkers out there don't even, they don't really, they can't identify the same complexity that you're trying to identify. So just, just review it humbly and, and tell people what you're tasting, right? That's it. Let people make their decisions. But anyways, next one. All right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, so even though I look very busy, always take time for family that's that's some great advice yeah Yeah. uh who's your favorite drinking buddy well that would be my buddy whiskey pirates or bad news bruce yeah (laughs) what a guy (laughs) yeah for good reason i think right yeah uh your favorite tv show or or slash movie um probably probably the office classic yeah yeah but, I keep watching it over and over again, so I have to say the office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite genre of music? I'm a country music fan. Country guy. See, a country guy out east, too. You think you'd be like into that indie pop or something like that, right? Is that what they listen to out there? Arcade <laughs> have no idea. <laughs> oh, you're, yeah, you're, <laughs> I'm just fucking... Well, Albertans, there's a lot of country yeah. music fans out here in Alberta, that's for sure. All right, and we'll hit you, hit you hard on this one. The last movie that made you cry. 
Oh man, I'm gonna say my wedding video every time we watch it. Oh, <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> yeah, that's if, a cop out, but it's a very, very well thought out cop out. That's, that is very yeah. You're gonna win some brownie points. Then it's not like your wife's gonna listen to this podcast, but <laughs> she have I may no just reason. play it in the background. You know, just yeah. Certain certain cuts of the video just throw it in. Yeah, exactly. And then just like nonchalantly turn the volume up right when that question comes and yeah just to get those brownie points yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny okay let's continue the kind of the lightning round meant or uh idea and we'll go what's the first thing that comes to your mind when we say and i'll let uh, sean take it off of course with this one irish innovation innovation love it uh canadian home I guess, home. Yeah. yeah uh bourbon cocktails uh festival bamp whiskey experience travel please soon enough so i can see everybody <laughs> please yeah please 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 um i don't know why this one's in there but dessert <laughs> ice cream yeah i don't like we made this list a long time ago. okay uh tobermory every time i think tobermory i i just wanted i've just pictured myself there for a month and just taking it all in. I know it's not a quick answer, no. but it's more like I it's need a- to be there for a month and just take everything in from that island. It's funny. I've showed my wife um, a little clip of you talking about the uh, the old caves. And she's like, we need to go there. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time I hear you talk about like Tobermory, the Isle of Mall, and the, that the whole ships, area. It's, the supposed ships that are in the yeah, harbor. We, we were talking to, well, we had Connell McKenzie on and and he'd kind of touched on the Arden American and it's right across mm-hmm. the the water from from Tobermory there and he just yeah he just glows about that just how beautiful it is that that side mm-hmm. of the country but um Deanston sleeping giant ooh i like it and the last one scotland i think of western home nice i like it yeah i like it too you're good at this <laughs> we talked to well we talked about We've talked a lot about festivals. Um, the Cornwall has a really cool festival. Yeah, that, uh, we did, but that, I, oh, I think it's canceled for good now, unfortunately. Oh, no. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's sad. Okay. Yeah, we won't really We won't get into that then. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Really? That's That really sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's I had some fun at that festival. I was able to do a, a, a few extra things. Uh, yeah. Since being from Cornwall, uh, they kind of gave me some, some extra perks and uh doing some pretty cool well like even the marinating the the meat with the deanston and like all that kind of stuff yeah i just remember seeing all the social media and and obviously the from barrel the bottle guys went out there and yeah shot the whole thing and it yeah it just seemed like something i really wanted to go to that's sad that they're not yeah maybe something in the future i know ian bentley might be doing something outside of the show when things can start gathering again but uh yeah, as of now, I don't think we'll see a wonderful World of Whiskey show for a while. That's too bad. I'm really hoping that it, you know, it's not going to affect other a festivals lot of shows too across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to Andrew from Banff Whiskey Festival, and he's still planning on picking up where he left off, which is good. And I know the like the the Rocky Mountain one is a good one here. MS. Calgary, MS, hopefully Victoria. Mm-hmm. I'm sure will still go because th- that's just such a great time, but. Um, may yeah. have to have park whiskey festival. You know, I had this idea and <laughs> uh, this won't go on the podcast or anything, but, um, Mike, I had this, I don't know if you've ever been to 
Ford Edmonton Park? No, I haven't. No. So it's like a giant. It's well, it's literally like a replica of the Ford Edmonton Park, which obviously existed before the city did with like Mm -hmm. fur trading times and stuff. And they've got like an old, old replica hotel and all these shops and streets. And they've got like a, like an old barracks and they got a massive hall. And my dream was to do like a massive whiskey festival where you would have all the master classes and all the cool different buildings. You could Mm -hmm. offer hotel rooms if people wanted to stay at the hotel where you'd have like cocktail shows and stuff. And then they've got like a 600 or 700 person capacity hall that they could do like the main event kind of thing. But it'd be like an all day thing where people would come. They, yeah, they would stay, they would go from place to place to place to kind of hit up all these different activities and then go for the main event in the yeah. evening kind of thing. But that's, yeah, it's been a dream. That would work. Like those, like there's smaller houses you can do, like you get like a distillery sponsor a house, like this, yeah. this is the distill house. This and that, that's what I would do. Cause they've got like pubs, um, they've got like little stores, they've got church, like a couple of little churches, like everyone can yeah. kind of set up their own thing inside these things and do activities throughout the day. And then yeah. everyone could congregate for the main tasting event at, in the evening. I just thought it'd be yeah, like the coolest idea ever, but that's really cool. But we'll see. I need, I need more money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and that's, this is all like, you really, I'm work. you work towards getting enough contact so that you can eventually put something like this in place but um so to wrap up the wrap up the podcast we like to do um like a parting glass moment so kind of just leave leave the listeners with with a message or or something (laughs) yeah whether it's a message or a beef or or whatever you really want it to so i'll uh i can give you i'll give you the floor if you want to want to have a parting glass moment yeah um so I, I'm looking forward to soon enough getting together and sharing a dram in person. Until that time, be safe. You know, um, the whiskey community is strong, and we have this massive connection. We talk about, you know, the whiskey fabric here in Canada. It's probably one of the best that I've seen. And I, you know, I've been to the U.S. I've been to the U.K. and, and pursuing shield there as well. But in Canada, everyone takes care of each other. And you know, I'm probably running on what my buddy Bry said the last time he was on. It's it's true. Our whiskey fabric's strong. And I gotta go show him because he didn't when he was on. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, just be truthful to what you're drinking. Understand what you're drinking. And if you are, you know, searching for information uh, in terms of a certain distillery or brand, if it's distilled, I'm more than happy to to help out and, and anything and and rely on key sources of people that are in the community that can help as well and oh these guys because uh <laughs> you know humor fun real and i think that's what makes this even better when it comes to a podcast real conversations real people and talking truthfully about something they're truly passionate about well, thank you very much yeah no, we, we appreciate that and that's kind of what we we really set out to do just because the like the the amount of amazing like the whiskey like you said the whiskey fabric is so strong in this country and i felt like it just if if we could somehow build a, a platform for for people to have conversation on and 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 we could kind of just increase the humanity in whiskey in this in this country because there's so many cool personalities uh yeah i feel like we're doing our job i don't yeah. know it's not even a job we're just doing <laughs> we're just doing what we want but it's fun i just love yeah, i just i just love it yeah, exactly. And like Mike said, 
I remember the first time I reached out to him, I was like, oh man, it's intimidating writing, you know, a personal message to a guy who, you know, manages all these brands. Yeah, all, this this big shot Mike yeah. Breezeball, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> Not then, like, even, yeah. Literally the first response back was like, okay, this guy, this guy's just one of us. He just happens to have the, one of the coolest jobs ever. <laughs> when he invited me, he invited me to that tasting at Bothy a while back. You reached out that we never really even spoke before. And at that time, I think I only had like maybe 2,500 followers. Like it was a long time ago. And I was just like, why in the world is this guy <laughs> reaching out to me? What did I do? And, and it's just, yeah, it just, but that's, you just can't, don't, don't be intimidated. Everybody's a person and we're all literally here for the passion of whiskey. Like that's just, exactly. that's just what it's about. And not like my parting class would just be, for you, you are you're one of the most, the most humble and and approachable people in this industry. I find you're you're friendly. You, you just love to talk whiskey, so and don't genuine. and genuine, it's super genuine. So for anybody that's listening to this, if you have if you ever want to reach out to Mike, he will always answer you back, and he'll treat you like he's known you forever. Exactly, can't say it better myself. Awesome. Well, cheers to you, Mike. We really appreciate your time today, and we hope to snag some. Well, more and more of your time as we go. <laughs> we'll just make sure we schedule and we don't miss out on meat canceling all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Lives get busy, but I'm hoping the next time we record, you're going to be here in Edmonton, and we'll record yes. it. We'll record in person. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And share a dram together. Okay. So, cheers to you, my friend. Thanks, Mike.
Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely.